Christianity is symbolized by a cross, most popularly the Latin cross. But for a long time, it wasn't the case, until a pagan emperor made it so, thus preserving a symbol that humanity has actually venerated for thousands of years before, the cross. Hi, my name is Sandra Nagotrong and welcome to Chasing Gods. The video version of this episode, which contains tons of images and animation, can be found on youtube.com slash chasinggods or on my website at chasinggods.com. There you will also find the essay format along with sources, further reading, blogs, and all the information you need to stay updated. In this audio, we'll look at the symbolism of the cross, its meanings, origins, and possible reasons why it keeps finding its way back to the human consciousness. But first, let's talk Christianity, its original symbols, and how the cross made its appearance there. It may seem obvious that the symbol is a cross because Jesus was crucified on it. But Jesus also turned water into wine and healed hundreds of sick people. Why not a symbol of a grapevine or a sick person? Also, it should be noted that Jesus was most likely crucified on a straight or T-shaped beam. In some parts of the world, like Brazil, some people say that Jesus was teesified as opposed to crucified. A lot of information can be found in studying words. We call that etymology. So the English word cross comes from the Latin word crux to denote the torture device used for capital punishment during the Roman era. Criminals were put in various inhumane ways on these wooden objects, which were most commonly shaped as a pole or a T, and they were to suffer an excruciating slow death. It's actually where the word excruciating comes from. Because of contradicting accounts, it's unsure whether Jesus died on a straight or T-shaped object. Some even say that he died on a tree, which could be another term for a pole or an allegory for the tree of life. Regardless, it was first written that Jesus died on a stavros. Remember, the New Testament, which recounts the life and death of Jesus, was originally written in Koine Greek, a Greek dialect spoken in 300 BC to 300 AD, and later translated to Latin. So, crux was actually translated from stavros, which has the same connotation. In the original Greek New Testament, the word stavros was often written in an abbreviated form. Picture the letter T and the letter P on top of it. In Greek, those were the letter tav and rho, respectively. They were superimposed to form a single character, to mean stavros, the torture device Jesus died on. This monogram called the tavro, or stavrogram, would later become one of the Christian symbols. But until then, it was just a way of abbreviating the device on which Jesus died on. In the first four centuries of its prominence, Christianity faced a lot of persecution by the Roman Empire. Christians had secret symbols in order to recognize each other. There was the ichthys fish, which first appeared in the second century and became the most revered Christian iconography even throughout the third and fourth century. Ekphis means fish in Koine Greek, and it's an acrostic that spells out Jesus Christ, Son of God, our Savior, in Koine Greek, of course. There were the letters Alpha and Omega, the first and last Greek letters. 
They were mentioned a few times in the book of Revelation, when Jesus or God said, I am the Alpha and Omega, to mean I am the beginning and the end. There was a dove. The dove had been a symbol of peace and spirituality before Christianity, but maintains its meanings in the Bible. In Matthew's, when Jesus got baptized, the Spirit of God descended upon him like a dove. The dove became a strong iconography for the Holy Spirit. There was the anchor, which symbolizes hope and safety. Christians believe that these are found when one follows Jesus. The anchor was frequently seen on 1st to 3rd century catacombs. These were just a few of the first Christian symbols, spanning four centuries. The cross was not one of them, until came Constantine I, the first Roman emperor to have converted to Christianity. Before converting, Constantine was a pagan like the majority of the Roman people and their ancestors, worshipping different gods, including the almighty and all-seeing sun god, which is symbolized by a cross. So now you see where I'm getting at, but let's keep going. Rome was going through a civil war in the early 300s, and Constantine, then just a ruler of the Western Rome, which includes Gaul, Spain, and Britain, was about to become the sole Roman emperor. It was said that on his way to battle against Roman Emperor Maxentius, Constantine and his Gallic troop saw something miraculous in the sky, above the meridian sun, a huge cross. There was even an inscription saying, by this conquer. The following night, Constantine dreamt of the Christ telling him to make what he had seen in the sky the symbol of God and to conquer by it. Affected by this dream, Constantine sent for his army's shields, swords, and flags to be marked with the He Cross, the first letter of Christ, written in Greek, of course. So, the first letter of Christos. For us, picture the letter X. Other accounts say that the mark was the Hero, a superimposed monogram of the first two letters of Christ, again, of Christos. Picture the letter X and the letter P superimposed. Early biblical authors had a thing with making sacred words into codes by using their first two letters and adding a line on top. The New Testament is full of these nomina sacras, or in English, sacred words. In 312, Constantine and his soldiers eventually overthrew Maxentius and his men at the Battle of Milovan Bridge, and to them, this was done with the divine intervention of God, the Christian God, marked by a cross. From here on, these divine symbols became those of the Roman military, and thus the Roman empires. Before Constantine died, not only did he get baptized, but he also made Christianity the official religion of the Roman Empire. Therefore, the he and the hero also became the symbol of Christianity, along with other monograms, all based on initials of Jesus Christ, as well as their numerical values. And gradually, they have transitioned to the bare cross. We'll find out later how Constantine could have had such a dream and vision, but first, let's get into a bit of numismatic, the study of coins. When we look at ancient Roman coins from around the time of Constantine, we witness the transition from paganism to Christianity. We can see the variations of monograms like the He, the Hero, and the Tavro. We can also find a wealth of pagan iconographies, at times alone, other times mixed with the to-be-Christian symbols. 
One of the pagan iconographies seen in these coins is the Roman sun god Sol Invictus, or simply Sol, crowned by sun rays, and next to him is an equilateral cross. It's not certain if this was meant to be a Christian cross, but it should be known that the cross was a symbol of the sun god across ancient Europe, Asia, and other major continents. The symbol is also called a solar cross or a sun wheel. Picture a circle and inside of it is an equilateral cross. It's been found in the Neolithic to Bronze Age of European history and variations of it are found throughout the rest of the ancient and modern world. The sun god is the all-being protector of truth and justice because it sees everything as it travels across the sky often on a chariot led by four horses, sometimes one. Some historians say that the sun cross stems from the look of the chariot's wheel. If we were to go further back in time with those European coins, say to 100 BC, we could see the horse and a single wheel representing the sun god. And within the wheel is the equilateral cross, which is also found in ancient European artifacts. In ancient Mesopotamia, modern-day Iraq, the sun god was Utu, later known as Shamash. He's symbolized by a sun disk, which is also comprised of a circle within which there is a cross along with crossing sun rays. Speaking of rays, another sun god iconography worth mentioning is the halo of sun rays adorning the head of the god, representing his grandiosity and holiness. The sun is the giver of life and therefore also represents life. Many 6th century Christian authors associate the cross with the tree of life. Sometimes they speak of it interchangeably. In ancient Egypt, the symbol for life is the key of life or the ankh. This popular symbol resembles quite a bit to today's elongated Latin cross, but with a loop at the top instead of a line. It existed as early as the 29th century BC and was often seen held by the Egyptian deities and pharaohs. Throughout the world, especially in Asia, the cross or wheel existed in the form of a kolorat, filfot or swastika. Picture a cross with its arms bent in one direction. Sometimes the arms are curved, other times straight. This type of cross also bears celestial significance, like the sun, the four directions, or four seasons. The broken arms add the effect of rotation found universally, such as the circling of the planets, galaxy, and overall life. The cross has been present in our history for as far as we could dig. It seems evident that Constantine the Great had re-established a Christian version of the cross for sake of smooth transition from polytheism to Christianity. However, it's possible that it wasn't done strategically, but subconsciously. As psychoanalyst Carl Jung believes, there are symbols and images in humanity's collective unconscious that keep surfacing through dreams and eventually convert to art and mythology. Constantine's dream of the cross as a symbol of God is therefore not incredible. The cross has been a venerated symbol for thousands of years before his time and was still during it it would inevitably rest in his unconscious, whether he wanted it or not. According to Jung, anything we've heard or experienced can become subliminal, that's to say, can pass into the unconscious. The unconscious expresses itself through dreams, 
and Yang says that our dream life is the soil from which most symbols originally grow. He also adds that our conscious impressions quickly assume an element of unconscious meaning that is physically significant for us. In other words, symbols in dreams have a meaning that is personal to the dreamer. The sun god's cross may have been representative of the ultimate god among the other deities to Constantine's deep unconscious. It's also possible that the importance of a united Rome through one religion metamorphosed itself into a solution-driven dream, being of Christ telling him to conquer by the cross, the symbol of God, and thereby uniting pagan and Christians under one familiar symbol. Just a speculation. As for seeing a majestic cross on the sun horizon, it's possible that he had seen a natural phenomenon we call sun dogs. These happen when sunlight is refracted by ice crystals in the atmosphere. Sun dogs can actually be seen anywhere in the world during any season, but are most obvious when the sun is on the horizon. So much for miracles, huh? But hey, even if we know the science behind it, it's still quite a glorious sight. So I could imagine how it was seen in earlier times. Perhaps sun dogs could have inspired the symbol of the sun cross as well. It could be debated in many ways why life would be represented by a cross of all images. To Young, the crossing of the lines symbolized the union of two elements, for instance, that of a man and woman creating a new life. Furthermore, the image clearly points to a center. Humans have always put importance in the center. From it spans everything else. Young says that this is reflected in our way of thinking, Men have always arranged their cities and homes in this way. This way of seeing the world reminds us of the Mandela of Eastern religion. Humans also see themselves as the center of the universe, not in an arrogant way, but more in the sense of our consciousness being the center of it all. Everything exists due to our consciousness. But why would the Latin cross, which is a standard cross today, not be equilateral? Well, it had been for a period of time. After a good run of the monograms, the equilateral cross, also called the Greek cross, was the common form up until the 9th century. Though the Greek cross is still used in the minority, its transition to today's customary Latin cross is said to have happened in order to better conform to the story of Jesus' crucifixion or to the original symbolism of Hero and Tafro. Young says that this upward movement of the center of the cross is humanity's subconscious manifestation of removing the center of man and his faith and elevating it into the spiritual realm. In any case, the overall look of the cross, despite its many variations, has remained. Two lines, sometimes more, intersecting each other, creating a center and four divisions, or more, and in some cases showing a cyclical motion. Today, the cross is for the most part the symbol of Christianity, a symbol of resurrection, life, and hope. But all it takes is a closer look at our planet and its history to find that the symbol has existed from the time humanity could express itself. Religions come and go, but it seems that symbolism remains in the depth of our consciousness, waiting to resurrect anew through narratives that are meaningful to us, collectively and personally. Thanks a lot for listening, guys, and thank you to my Patreon supporters. If you find my content valuable and would also like to support me, please check out patreon.com 
slash chasing gods or my website. If money is an issue, you can equally support me by sharing my content or by leaving a review on your podcast app. Thank you so much and see you on the next episode.